Hi, it's Elaine from the Imagine Momcast podcast. I am so happy you're here today because we are going to talk about one of mom's favorite topics, which is food. Yes, we all have to think about food, whether we want to or not, every single day of our lives. I just saw a really funny meme on the internet that said, who knew that when you became an adult, your biggest decision would be what you have to eat every single day for the rest of your life, <laughs> especially as a mother, because most of the time you are doing the cooking. And so you are having to come up with the meal plans. And I am going to give you some very practical tips on that as a mother of six um, at the end of this podcast. But before I do that, I wanted to start with um, some of my very intellectual thoughts on mothers and food from my book, Mom of Six Dies Laughing. So if you haven't gotten this yet, you can get it on Amazon. You can also go to my website, imaginemom.com slash book and get it there. Don't forget it's imagine with an E at the beginning. And so from chapter 14, I am going to share some of my thoughts with you that I totally know you're going to relate to on food and motherhood. So let us begin. Dad walks in and sees mom fainted on the floor. Dad says, what happened to mom? The kids say, we don't know. We just said we all liked her dinner and down she went. That actually almost happened to me one time. Moms are so closely associated with food. Sometimes I think we should just combine the words. Maybe we should be called foms or moods. That would actually cover a lot of ground. That last one. Moms actually pump food out of their bodies for babies. And that is just the beginning. And they provide the first solid foods and then the snacks and then all the meals, unless they have the glorious blessing of having a husband that cooks. And if you have a husband that cooks, you are, you should be a happy, thankful woman. Moms have to think about food all the time from the first little cry. And at first we are so diligent about it. I remember taking copious notes on my first child, what he ate and how far apart the feedings were and if he had solid foods. And thank goodness I had more kids so that I did not have time to micromanage all this anymore. <laughs> I remember with my fourth child pouring soda into a sippy cup when I was at my sister's house for a special occasion. And she looked at me and said, really, Elaine, two babies ago, you would have never done that. And boy, was she right. You know, you start out with really good intentions, but after a few kids, you cannot stop the older ones from discovering sugar forever. And once they do, it's all downhill. And when the little ones come along and see what the big kids are getting, there is no way on earth you're going to be able to give the big kids something and not the little kids. And if you try that, you will have a mutiny on your hands, hence soda in the sippy cup. I have a love-hate relationship with food. Well, maybe a love relationship with food. Okay, actually, I love food. I love food way too much. As a general rule, I think about it a lot. I might love it more than my husband. Okay, that's ridiculous. Of course, I don't love it more than my husband, except maybe brownies. Brownies might be an exception, maybe Starbucks mochas, and then there's Kane's chicken. Did I mention I love fast food? 
I come by this love of food naturally as my family, including my extended family, love food. And no, I did not come from one of those big Italian or Greek families. Actually, it's worse. I came from a Southern Baptist farming family. Well, my parents weren't farmers, but my grandparents were, and they lived right down the road. So family dinners were liable to pop up any day of the week. And if one family was getting together, then everyone was invited. My grandma could cook a meal for an army and no one was going away hungry. There was green beans and bacon and rolls and fried chicken and pork and mashed potatoes and gravy and any dessert that you happened to have on hand at the time. And if no one was in, mood, in the mood to cook, then we would all go to a restaurant. And let me tell you, eating out is a rural family's favorite pastime. Hence why so many of us are fat. Where my husband's family liked to drink, my family loved to eat. When I had a family of my own, they got pretty spoiled because I was home. And so I was cooking a lot and I like variety. So there was none of this cereal for breakfast and peanut butter and jelly for lunch and the same five dinners repeated every week. Did I mention I like variety? We might have waffles or eggs or muffins for breakfast or maybe biscuits and gravy, dinners of spaghetti or chicken tikka masala or white chicken chili for dinner and grilled sandwiches or leftovers for lunch. Variety can be a good thing until you start adding complications. Pleasing my husband, who is not picky, but he does like healthier food. Pleasing my kids, which of course don't like healthier food, and which ended up being six kids. So trying to please all of them was a chore. And of course, they mostly don't like eating healthy, as I mentioned. And then the fact that my love for food ruined my digestion, causing me to have to cut way down on gluten sugar, dairy, etc. And then I started working. I just can't give enough praise to moms who work and then come home and cook. A drive-through sounds good on a normal day, but when you're dead tired at five o'clock and all you want to do is collapse on the couch and watch episode upon episode of Vampire Diaries, a drive-through looks like the gates of heaven with angels singing and heavenly lights beaming down on the order window. Also, the kids started to going to school and who has time to make breakfast at 6.30 in the morning. And of course, it's easier to let them make their own lunch. I do remember to ask them at least mm, once a week if they threw a fruit in with their sandwich and goldfish. So basically now it's, I hope the kids found something to eat for breakfast and lunch. Oh, and actually they may have to scrounge for dinner as well. I find myself buying more and more convenience foods. There are certain members of my household who shall remain nameless, who are wonderfully health conscious. How do you say that word? Conscious, health conscious, which is awesome, except when they train their intention towards me and remind me that I need to feed the younger kids better. So my youngest kids are, at the time of this writing, 14 and 10. Right now they're 15 and 11. And healthier people of my family like to point out that the 14-year-old has been eating taquitos for five days straight for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and maybe I should stop buying them, or that the 10-year-old has gotten sick several times this year, and it's probably because I'm feeding him so poorly. It has nothing to do with the fact that he was homeschooled almost his whole life and probably was never exposed to too much until now. I think the next time they have something to say about that. In point of fact, I am going to 
tell them that I am the healthiest person in this house, which they all know. I hardly ever get sick. And I'm certain this is due to the fact that I was a formula fed baby and that I grew up in the 80s when we had hamburger helper and tuna casserole and a jar of spaghetti with a box of noodles. And in point of fact, I have an iron stomach. Absolutely, 100% true. I never get the stomach flu and I can eat a McDonald's cheeseburger and then go straight to soccer, play for an hour and feel like a million bucks. Ha, ha, ha. All that unhealthy food just gave me an immune system that rose to the challenge at an early age. Have you ever thought maybe all this whole grain and organic crap might actually be the death of us? That brings me to another question. What is healthy? Organic? Whole grain? Gluten-free? Extra pasteurized? Raw? Sugar-free? Dairy-free? Fat-free? Carb-free? This is a question that has kept me up at night trying to figure out what is the right thing to feed my family. Well, you may have very strong opinions on this. For me, several chiropractors and naturopaths later, I have settled on less gluten and less sugar and more veggies and fruit and call it good. I seriously dislike cooking something separate for myself than the rest of the family. So this is my compromise that we can all live with. One thing that cooking for my family has about it is there is great job security. The downside is I can never get fired. And most likely, unless you're one of those extremely lucky women who has a husband who cooks, you also are in this predicament. (laughs) So here are my best tips after 25 years of cooking. Okay, you ready for the good stuff? First of all, keep a master list of meals you like to serve on your phone or on your computer or on a piece of paper, wherever it's most convenient. And make it meals that you like. This way, you have an easy reference when you need ideas. If you want to be more detailed, then you can list the ingredients under each meal. If you really get stumped on what to prepare for meals, assign each member of the household a day of the week and let them pick the meal for that day. I like this because we we actually did this for quite a while and it takes the pressure off you so you don't have to figure it out all the time. And you know that at least one day of the week, that person is going to have something that they like to eat. Alternatively, um, you can assign a meal for each day like chicken Mondays, pork Tuesdays, beef Wednesdays, shrimp Thursdays, veggie Friday, and leave the weekend for leftovers. Honestly, right at the moment, I have been doing Mexican one day, Italian one day, American one day, um, something really simple and easy one day. So I have like a day of the, you know, for something each week, which has worked out pretty well. Also, I would suggest keeping a grocery list handy so you can add things when you think of them. I like to use my phone because it's old always with me, but a list on the fridge is good too. Pick one day a week to be your shopping day. That's kind of helpful because then you don't have to think about it and it's always kind of planned out. And personally, I like to rotate stores. So um, if you're like in a place where you're near a certain store, a certain time of the week, then that can be the day that you go. Keep a master list of items you buy frequently on your phone, computer, or paper. Or if you shop online, you can do it there. Put it in the order of the store that you frequent. So since I go to more than one store, I actually have a list for each store in the order of that store. On shopping day, do an inventory of what's in the house and use your master list. Mark anything you need and add to the end any special items that you don't normally buy. 
keep a Pinterest board of meals you can make. That's always nice, especially, I especially like that for special occasions when we're looking for like some kind of appetizer or dessert, but it's really nice too. when you're just really kind of fed up with what you've been making and you're totally tapped out on what to cook. Use a gas grill as often as you can. It's super easy and even easier to clean up. Plus it tastes great. Mine is actually on the deck right outside the kitchen door. So it's really handy. And I love that I don't have to clean up. So your verse for the day, 1 Corinthians 10, 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. I hope that was helpful. I hope that you take the time to go get the book, Mom of Six Dies Laughing. You're going to love it. It's full of not only super practical stuff, but it's humorous. And how often do you get to read a humorous book for moms that glorifies Jesus and is going to like give you a break from the everyday? It's got other great stuff in it. It's actually the subtitle is How to Ditch Overwhelming Mom Guilt, Feel More Connected and Empowered and Have More Fun. So this is really going to touch you right where you're at. I would definitely recommend it. Get one for a friend too. And I hope you have a really great week.